This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. And may I welcome you to our telecast. I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss this subject, a, a glimpse of glory. A glimpse of glory. Now today on, tele, on our telecast, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And may I emphasize that this course is free. We want you to avail yourself the opportunity to receive the Bible course so that you might know more about the course and that you may learn how that you can receive the free course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and I'm going to be reading the first two verses out of Revelation 21 as we discuss the subject, A Glimpse of Glory. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In those two verses, John was talking about a new heaven. He's talking about a new earth because the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. Now let me read to you from Romans 8 and verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, Peter is addressing those who are elders of the church, and he said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker of the glory of that shall be revealed in us. Down in the fourth verse of that same chapter, he says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 
Now, if you put all of these passages of Scripture together, we talk about a glimpse of glory. Man does not have the requisite data for comprehending everything that the, the word heaven implies. I don't believe that any of us have that ability. And I realize that there are those who would think that, they, that heaven is the figment of someone's distorted imagination. But my friend, heaven is real. It is real. A few hundred years ago, our forefathers lived what you and I would consider to be a rather meager existence. They lived off of the land. They built houses out of the trees that they would cut down in the forest. They traveled the trails that they had blazed through the forest. Suppose someone had told our forefathers that you'll not always have to hunt for your game and go out and kill game in order to, su to supply food for your family. One day there are going to be large supermarkets that you can go into and you can purchase food in those supermarkets. And there will be shelf after shelf after shelf lined with food. And then you'll have a meat department. You'll have a place where you can go and buy vegetables. You know, that would have meant absolutely nothing to them. They, they would have thought you were mad to try to, try to describe something like that to them. And when we read the very best that the, 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 what the Bible says about heaven, and we compare that with what we have in this world, we're prone to say something like heaven could never be. But heaven is a real place. And, and I believe that it's real. It's not some, uh, uh, some uh, mythological place. It is not the uh, distorted imagination of someone. It's not a carryover from some previously unenlightened age. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Someone says, well, how do you know heaven is real? Well, one of the reasons I would suggest that is because the soul of man has longed for such a place in every age of the world. All men, both the savage and the civilized and the educated and the uneducated, have had some desire for a place that's fairer than day. Well, that's the reason the Egyptians, the Pharaohs, had their, built those pyramids. And they were buried there. They were anticipating a future life. Now, that's the reason the Indian would have his bow and his arrows buried with him because he had anticipated a future life. You see, people have always longed for such a place. Someone saw a little boy one day out flying his kite. All you could see was the string in his hand. The kite had gone up so high that it was not visible. And they said, how do you know your kite is still there? He said, I feel the tug on the string. And isn't there a tug within all of us for a place called heaven? I believe heaven is real because you and I are not adapted to stay here. We, you see, 
Our bodies are growing older day by day. And we are not adapted to remain in this world. We will die. And James chapter 2 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead being alone. And so when the body dies, when the spirit leaves the body. You see, man is a composite being composed of body and soul, body and spirit. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Paul talked about an outward man and an inward man. He said the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And so the fact that that outward man is perishing tells me that I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm not adapted to remain here. But that which is adapted to remain in another world is my soul, my spirit. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but hath no power over the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So the soul can be uh, leave the body, and the body will go back to the earth from whence it came. Solomon talked about that in the twelfth chapter of Ecclesiastes that man goes to his long home, the mourners go about the streets, and so one day. There will be the separation of the spirit of Billy Lambert from this old body in which I've lived. I'm not adapted to stay here. I believe in heaven because justice demands a place called heaven. That there's a lot of injustice in our world. That, that's always been the case. There, it will always be the case in the future. That there is so much un injustice in the world. There is racial injustice, social injustice. Absolutely. Now, for God to be a just God, and God is a just God, He has to set all that straight. He has to reward those that serve Him faithfully, and God must punish those who do not. There's a question to ask in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 25. Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? And there is an answer to that question. Yes. The judge of all of the earth will do right. And one day he will reward those that serve him. He will punish those who do not. His justice demands a place called heaven. But now the main reason I believe heaven is real is because that's exactly what the Bible says. Well, listen to Paul in Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And, and in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, Jesus said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Matthew 6 and verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where rust and moth doth corrupt, thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves where? Treasures in heaven. Jesus taught that heaven is real. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul talks about a rest. Our rest is found in Christ. Our rest from sin. Come to me all you that 
are laboring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. But ultimately, that rest is in heaven. This passage in Hebrews 4 and 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There is a rest to the people of God. And so we, we sing songs along that line, O land of rest, for thee I sigh. When will that moment come? And then listen to our Lord in John chapter 14. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, I like that part about it because Jesus said, If this were not true, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus said, heaven is real. Friends, the reality of heaven and the truthfulness of the book that I hold in my hand stand or fall together. If this book is true, there is a heaven because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. The ideas of men to the contrary. And let me tell you some things about heaven. Heaven is a place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. It is a place. Secondly, heaven is a desired place. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 10, the Bible says, He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so heaven is not just a place, it is a desired place. Well, now why would a person desire to go to heaven? Okay, can you think of any reason that a person would want to go to heaven? One of the reasons that we should want to go to heaven and desire to go to heaven is because our heavenly Father is there. Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In 1871, Henry Stanley was commissioned to go to Africa and find Dr. Livingstone. And on November the 10th, 1871, he found him. And his famous words are, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. And I have read in places that he commented later that it was worth all of the effort just to look on the face uh, of Dr. Livingston. I, I don't know about looking on the face of the doctor, but I can tell you one thing. It will be worth everything we put up with in this life to look on the face of our Father. And one day we will see him face to face. Fanny Crosby, the blind songwriter, was, uh, was, had someone to describe the golden sunset to her. And she said, I cannot see it now, but one day I shall see him face to face who makes all of the sunsets glow. And there may be things that we're not able to comprehend today, and one, but one day we will see him. In 1 John, the third chapter and verse 2, John says, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. 
There's a verse in the 17th Psalm that I think it fits in right here. Listen to it. Ask for me. I will see your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I wake with your likeness. And won't you be satisfied when you're able to look upon the face of God, look upon the face of the Lord Jesus Christ? Heaven is a desired place because of our Father being there. Heaven is a desired place because of the beauty of the place. I, I can't imagine how beautiful heaven is. I'm not able to, to comprehend it, understand it. I've read a story about a child born blind and then later in life their surgery was performed, the child could see, and the child kept saying to his mother, why didn't you tell me everything was so beautiful? And she said, I tried, I tried. You know, God has tried to tell us how beautiful heaven is. We, we do not fully understand it. We do not fully comprehend it in this life. I read a story one time about a farmer went to town. His children had never been to town. He came back from the big city and he told them about things he had seen in the city they had never seen before. Why, well, he said there are buildings in the city that, that go high into the sky. They said they're skyscrapers. They said, what does a skyscraper look like, Daddy? He said a skyscraper looks like a silo. A skyscraper looks like a long pine going high into the air. Well, he was describing it the best way he knew how. And God has described heaven in language, trying to use accommodative language to tell us how beautiful heaven must be. Heaven is a desired place because of who is there. The redeemed of the ages are there. In Matthew chapter 18, or rather chapter 8 and verse 11, we're told that they will come from the east and the west and sit down with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. My friend, Abraham is still going to be Abraham. Isaac will be Isaac. Jacob will be Jacob. In Matthew chapter 17 at Jesus' transfiguration, there was Moses and Elijah, men who had been dead for hundreds of years, and Moses was still Moses and Elijah was still Elijah. You see, when we die, we do not lose our identity. We do not lose our personality, that is, the, who we are. I will still be Billy Lambert after I die. That's who I am now. That's who I will be. In Matthew, uh, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, John said, I saw under the altar. Well, what did you see under the altar, John? He said, I saw souls. Well, what souls did you see under the altar, John? He said, I saw the souls of them that were, that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. John saw those martyred saints. They, were the, they did not lose their identity. You see, who we are now is who we will be. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, it sounds like that you believe in future recognition. Absolutely. In, in Luke, the 16th chapter, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen 
And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And more of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Now, I want you to think about it. Here are two men who live and two men who died. And the rich man was the rich man after he died. He did not lose his identity. Lazarus was still Lazarus. Abraham was still Abraham. And those that we have loved and known in this life will still be just who they were in this life. They will just be in another world, in another dimension, if you please. Heaven is a desired place because of who is there. Heaven is a desired place because of the invitation that has been extended. And it has been extended to all people. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Revelation 22, 17 says, Let the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come, whosoever will. Let him drink of the water of life freely. So heaven is for whosoever will, that is, whosoever will come to Christ and obey Christ. And so heaven is a desired place because it is a place that we have been invited to attend or to go. I don't want to slight the host, do you? I've been asked to come to heaven. And heaven is a desired place because our name is written there if we belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Is your name written in heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Revelation 20, 15 says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want my name in that book, don't you? Someone says, well, I think all a person has to do is be honest, Brother Lambert. I think you should be honest, but is that all you have to do? Someone says, I think all you have to do to have your name written in that book is just to be sincere. I think you should be sincere, but is that all you have to do? Someone says, I think all a person has to do to have their name written in heaven is just believe on Jesus, a mental ascent to faith in Jesus. You should have a mental ascent to faith in Jesus. You should believe on Jesus. Is that all you have to do? You need to come to the foot of the cross, my friend. And you need to have your sins washed in the blood of the Lamb if you want your name written in heaven. Absolutely. In, in Revelation chapter 1 and 5, the Bible says, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In the seventh chapter of the Revelation, in verse 13 and 14, the question is asked, Sir, what are these? And whence came they? And I said, Sir, thou knowest. These are they that came out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who is it that's going to be in heaven? 
is going to be people whose names are written in heaven. People that are written in heaven are people who've had their sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. And in order that our sins be washed away in the blood of the Lamb, we must obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. Would you obey the gospel today by believing on Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ? That's what Saul of Tarsus did. Here's a man who had been persecuting the church and now he comes under the influence of the gospel and he asks the question, Lord, what would you have me to do? Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Highway. He said, I want you to go into the city and there it will be told you what you must do. And Ananias, the preacher, told him what to do. That's recorded in the Bible in Acts, the 22nd chapter and verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so you need to have your sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. And that's done when we as penitent confessing believers are baptized into Christ. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Heaven is a place a desired place. Heaven is a reserved place. It is reserved in heaven for you. Second Peter 1, 4. Have you made your reservations? Have you made your plans for that journey into eternity? If not, why not? Why would you hesitate and why would you delay any longer? May I encourage you to make your reservations today. May we help you find some servant of God to immerse you into Jesus Christ. In the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also right now pick up the telephone without any hesitation and call the number you see on the screen or if you prefer, you can take this course online. We have that information as well. We want to hear from you. We want you to have the Bible course, to study this course, and we want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. I feel like my professors care not only about my progress in their classes, but also me as a person. Having teachers that will pray for me is incredible. Providing a Christ-centered education is the heart of everything we do at Fault University. From the classroom to the sports fields, we emphasize integrity of character and a godly attitude in all phases of life. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.